discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome back to the second hour of Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and uh, I want to thank our sponsors uh, for this second hour for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors are Arroway Energy, Clifton Star Resources, Gold Rich Mining Company, and Prodigy Gold. I am really uh, pleased to have with me, although we are having some technical difficulties, obviously, uh, with uh, Julian Phillips. He is in South Africa. Uh, Julian currently works as a motivational speaker. He served as a co-host of Weekend Fox and Friends, uh, the number one cable morning sh- uh, news show in America from 2002 to 2006. Prior to this, uh, he served as an anchor and general assignment reporter for the 24-hour cable news network with Fox News Live. In addition, Julian anchored Fox News radio updates and covered breaking news for the radio network and served as an on-air correspondent for WPIX-TV and News at 10 in New York and hosted their weekly uh, community and public affairs program called Best Talk. He is a a two-time Emmy Award winner and eight-time nominee. He is also the recipient of the Edward R. Murrow Award for Excellence in Journalism and a very sought-after motivational speaker. Some highlights include keynoting uh, the Big Ten Diversity Conference and the Indiana Black Expo Youth Conference. Welcome, Julian, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Oh, okay. So, okay. So I thought we had Julian. It's it's a strange occurrence here, folks. I can hear Julian. You can probably hear Julian, but Julian can't hear me. So I, I don't know if we're going to be able to continue with this or not, and uh, I sort of just had the feeling uh, that we might have a problem here, and we do. So, um, all right. Well, in any event, uh, we, we do want to ask Julian about this whole issue of the confiscation of gold. You know, the Gold Antitrust Action Committee, let me just mention to you that uh, I would highly recommend, if you're not familiar with the Gold Antitrust Action Committee, that you check them out at uh, gata.org, G-A-T-A.org. Uh, it, is, uh, it is my belief, and you know, I didn't want to be talking about my belief here. We want to talk to Julian Phillips um, because uh, that's what this show is about. It's not about me. It's about my wonderful, excellent guests. Sometimes we have technical difficulties. But it, it is really true that, uh, that gold is money, not because I say it is or Ron Paul says it is or anyone else says it is, but gold is money because the markets have chosen gold to be money. Uh, and uh, and, and uh, politicians don't like that too much because it, me- it means that you really have to earn your way into, uh, uh, into, uh, into earning wealth and gaining wealth, as uh, Danielle Parks was telling us uh, a moment ago. Uh, we do. Um, my engineer is telling me we do. Uh, we do have our guest with us. Julian, are you there? Julian, can you hear me? Okay. I, I guess we'll. Uh, we, we just uh, forget this issue today, and maybe we can talk. We can talk about uh, Julian. Can you hear me? Julian, can you hear me? I can hear you in the background. You can hear me in the background. All right. Can you hear me well enough to carry on a conversation? Yes, I can. Okay, let's give it a shot then. I just read off your bio. Uh, uh, You noted um, in some of your writings that many fund managers in the United States and elsewhere fear that gold will be confiscated again in in the United States. But this time you say it will be confiscated for a different reason. Could you explain? Yes, indeed. Um, in 1933, it was uh, confiscated 
as a, as a prelude to the revaluation of gold two years later from $20 to $35. And in so doing, it increased the money supply by uh, that amount, 75%. And uh, it was realized at that time that increasing the money supply increased the liquidity in the system, which helped America move forward. Uh, it also helped them to capture another 10, 11,000 tons of gold into America's war chest ahead of the Second World War. At this time, uh, there'll be no such uh, use of gold. Um, um, Chairman Ben Bernanke, all he needs to do is to issue more dollars so that the money supply can be increased quite easily without any turning to gold. And gold in the past was sidelined as a barbarous relic, as Keynes called it, um, but nevertheless, um, the leading countries of the world still hold vast tonnages of gold. This time, though, it's for international reasons. We, we don't live as uh, Greenspan wrote against in a welfare state that would want to uh, issue money until it was in a, uh, an unbearable deficit situation. But internationally, the same is happening right now and due to happen to a far greater extent in the next year. So the purpose of gold this time has to be threefold. First, to give some confidence backing to the currencies that are losing their name through over-issuing. Second, it's to facilitate international loans and swaps. Uh, third, it is to enable the interest rates on those deals to be lowered to bearable and sustainable levels. And this, within the ambit of the U.S.'s uh, powerful uh, situation, uh, dominating the developed world, is quite bearable. It only becomes untenable and dangerous when there is, let's call it, uh, the rising dragon as its own international currency. Indeed, the trigger point, I believe, is the day when America cannot issue money, but has to earn it. Now, to explain that a little further, can you imagine U.S. buyers of Chinese goods not being able to pay dollars, but having to buy yuan? That is the turning point where America will suddenly have to say, well, if we buy yuan, will our dollars printed easily be accepted? Or will they, because they're issued so... Uh, um, in such a profligate manner, have to have some backing. And at that point, the uncertainty levels in the global monetary system will be such that gold, as an international asset that is respected, comes into the picture in backup. Okay, I'm not... I, I'm, I'm, I sort of got that. I'm having a little difficulty hearing is a bad echo. Uh, but um, So if I understood what you're saying is there are three basic reasons why we will go back to gold now. Uh, and, and one of them is just confidence. So we're, we've lost confidence, in, and we're in the process of losing confidence in the monetary system as it exists now. Is that right? That's absolutely correct. And, and I would go one stage further and say the management of the um, currency system has so far depended on central banks, but government is actually the driver of central banks' uh, competence levels. And because of the incompetence of governments to govern, including that of the U.S., um, the Fed and other central banks have had to carry far too great a burden and have had to rely on this cheapening of money to the point that uh, credulity is starting to fade. Yeah, um, and I think you mentioned the fragility. Did you say the fragility of the existing system? Would you repeat that? Or the frailty of, of the existing system? Is that another reason? Yes. And that, that frailty will not manifest itself until the grip of the U.S. over the world economy is eased. And, and I particularly focus on... Um, its grip over the oil price. The oil, oil replaced gold as the, should we call it, the base factor of money mm -hmm. in, the, uh, in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Until then, gold 
being this high-level, high-luxury item commodity was desirable and therefore used as a basis of money, which Greenspan showed was the correct way. But oil being used by everybody and being uh, more than simply a desired commodity, but a necessary commodity, served the function far better, but only so long as the U.S. could dominate the oil producers and insist that they charge for their oil in U.S. dollars. When the Chinese and other Asian nations can pay in other currencies for their oil, that grip on the oil world will be broken. And at that point, there will be an excess of dollars worldwide, and there will be a serious challenge to the dominance of the U.S. dollar, the sole global reserve currency. Well, to what extent do you think that is already happening? There, there is a movement among some countries to start receiving payments for of oil in, um, you know, in in euros or in other currencies. And I know, indeed, we had one of the uh, one of the guests on this show, John Perkins, suggested that it was one of the reasons that the United States may have went to war in Iraq was to try to. Uh, was after Saddam Hussein suggested that he wanted to get paid in or demanded getting paid in euros for his oil rather than the dollar. So do you, do you see this as a gigantic, a major a geopolitical force that's in play right now? Uh, it has to do with, um, w- with countries seeking power, global power, and the Chinese with a rising economic power that they were that they are going to the Chinese and others are going to demand being paid in things uh, something other than dollars is this inevitable I, I believe it is I think the process started first in the Middle East um, and it continues there with Iran at the moment which is uh, a critical situation but unfortunately what's happening in the Middle East is almost like the hundred years religious war in in Europe um, and I don't think it's going to go away with political pressure. So, but it has now morphed into the rising, emerging world who uh, are not challenging America per se, but they're saying we will not kowtow to you. We we have to build our own empire, as it were, mm-hmm. and that has to be free of the dollar. And you've seen over the last two years the process of internationalizing the yuan slowly develop. Uh, first through Hong Kong, through mine issues, and then persuading the um, Guangzhou um, manufacturers to utilize yuan in, in certain aspects of their trading, then the, inter- then the uh, provision of limited swaps of yuan for other currencies, the latest being with Australia, of course. With Russia, they uh, have agreed to, to trade in rubles and in uh, Yuan for oil and gas, which is being developed at a very rapid rate. But China's objectives are to have its own independent sources of resources. Uh, It goes as far as Africa. Angola, for instance, um, being supported in the oil from there um, purchased by China, the loans into the Congo to develop the mining and other resources. All these are the building of a resource empire for China that is independent of that of the developed world. And this is the division that's happening now. The emerging world is probably a misnomer. I would prefer to call it an independent world. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the system in the developed world is utterly dependent on the sole power, the sole reserve currency, the dollar. The moment is the second one then certain parts of the structure of the dollar empire have to buckle. Once they buckle, you're going to see a tremendous cheapening of the U.S. dollar and a disruption of the monetary system. Mm-hmm. And that, again, is where this non-national asset of gold uh, comes into play, in, in, but not um, as, a, as, a, as a separate asset to, to uh, be turned to, but as backup to the present system. And yeah. that is an absolutely vital function that it is starting to see. If you look back at the dealings with the BIS, not last year, but the year before, suddenly they bought, uh, I think it was 635 tons on the basis of uh, gold currency swaps. They were then reversed a year later. No explanation given. 
but it became clear that this again was to facilitate our various loans and, and for desperate countries. We know of one, which was Sweden, where the, uh, the Reichsbank um, had to use its gold to facilitate international loans and get them at decent rates. So this is happening now, as you quite rightly said. It is, it, is, it is already happening. The expansion of the yuan worldwide through these different swaps being given to different countries is moving at a rapid rate. And by next year, I think you'll see London acting as a major yuan dealer. And that will be the point at which it jumps off into reserve currency and poses a real threat to the dollar stroke euro. Well, wow, that's that's uh, that's very interesting. So you think it's not that far away that the dollar uses or loses its reserve currency status? I know we had one one guest on this show who is a technician who is watching very carefully the dollar index, uh, and he's suggesting that if the dollar breaks below seventy eighty, technically that's sort of a, la- a line in the sand, and he's watching. Uh, watching that day because when it happens, he believes interest rates are going to go through the ceiling. Um, so uh, the third the third rate the reason that you gave was interest rates. I think they'd be able to borrow at reasonable rates. And so if you had a gold-backed currency, a stable currency, globally, then then um, then you would be able to keep rates uh, at lower levels. We're certainly seeing interest rates spiking in certain countries, in Europe, for example, right now, where there's all kinds of problems, sovereign debt problems. So the third, per, the third reason, then, that you're seeing is interest rates. Uh, that would be another reason to return to a gold standard. But you're mentioning the loss of, a, of, of the dollar as the world's reserve currency. Do you see a transition from the dollar to maybe a basket of currencies and then to gold, or would that basket include gold? Or how do you see this, this playing out? I see the dollar um, being chipped away at, not, not collapsing, but um, as a process of attrition. Um, I see gold's role not separate from currencies, but in backup. It, 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 the reason I say that is that no central bank developed or otherwise world will, will allow itself to be dominated by gold again. Mm-hmm. It, therefore, its use has to be pragmatic, and it has to be in backup to restore or, or shore up confidence in those currencies. Um, and when the yuan approaches its uh, full um, reserve status, it will be part of a basket. We see the basket at the moment still utterly dependent upon the dollar. I see the dollar as a tree trunk, and even the Swiss franc, the euro, the pound, and the yen are like major branches off that tree trunk. But the difference with the yuan is it will not relate to the dollar, per se. And that is where the danger comes in. And the buildup of uncertainty and the need for gold to smooth out the frictions and tensions that will rupture the foreign exchange markets globally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, the, so, so this is a, a, a process that is playing out. You see it slowly. You don't see it. One day we, we wake up the dollar is no longer the reserve currency. It will be a gradual, uh, a, dra- a gradual transition. But you see next year, as early as next year, you're talking about if I understood it, you said the British uh, perhaps making a market in the yuan. Oh, very, very much so, and, but not as a slow sliding slope. Call it a series of, uh, of limited precipices. So moving along a plateau, then a sudden drop, moving along a plateau, then a sudden drop, um, as the shocks impact, as, as the resistance to it gives way, as the management of currencies buckles. And, you know, I, I subscribe to what George Soros said about the dangers in the Eurozone. Uh, I remember uh, 40 years ago, you looked at the Bundesbank. The moment they said they're not going to revalue, it was a week later they revalued. Well, likewise, today we're hearing the new Bundesbank president uh, saying that, no, they're not planning against the Euro's demise. Um, they're just insisting on fiscal union. Well, Europe's history tells you that is not possible, but people will believe it to a point, and then suddenly they won't believe it. And then you have the precipice drop in the various values. And to illustrate it even further, if you look at the Bundesbank's accounts today, they have a description of the trade deficit from Spain and Greece and the other 
and Italy, etc. They're book entries at the moment, but they're massive. So the Bundesbank um, is the creditor to these nations, and it's not yet put on the books as a standard sovereign debt. It's simply a trade deficit, and they're sitting with about 450 billion worth of trade deficit that is not being factored into the big formula. But the euro is in a terrible mess. Yeah. And uh, if I extrapolate the efforts going forward that we're seeing now, I don't see a solution. I see a fracture of the eurozone, whether it's one or two members leaving. Uh, I see that as happening. Uh, afterwards, the euro might be much stronger, but suddenly we're in an uncertain world of uh, gentle attrition of power and wealth out of the developed world and moving across to the emerging world. Well, the emerging world, certainly, you were in South Africa. Uh, how are things in South Africa, and in particular in the gold mining industry? South Africa was once, not that long ago, the number one producer of gold. Now I believe it's China. Am I right about that? Oh, absolutely. When I came into the gold world, uh, South Africa was producing 1,000 tons a year. It's now down to about 150 tons mainly because foreign investors are not prepared to put their money in when they're under threat from the government, who uh, is slowly trying to chip away at their power, putting their own people into management positions. And the production rates are dropping so fast. You would have thought at this price that the production rates would be rising, but the costs are rising to such an extent, and this, whilst I respect the safety aspects of mining at such deep levels, um, the policy of the government is undermining confidence in uh, investors to mm-hmm. the point that you're not seeing the new investment that you should be. And South Africa is fading. With South Africa about 150 tons a year, and China, I believe it's moving through about 340 tons now. I think South Africa's had its day. Beautiful though it is, and producing many very important commodities, which is why it's part of the BRICS nation, um, the BRICS group. Um, it is a fading power. It is being Africanized uh, economically to its detriment. And this is not a, a, a negative comment. In South Africa, you had uh, a first world uh, country up to a certain point, and then suddenly what should have happened was the city should have gone to the village, but unfortunately the village came to the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's. A, a, I'd love to have more time to talk to you about uh, about South Africa, but we want to stay focused on gold uh, per se and the geopolitical aspects of gold. Um, so, I guess you see the Western world, the United States and Europe, continuing to uh, engage in endless amount of money printing. Is that right? And that will lead then to. The, the holders, the creditors of the Western world saying, we don't want dollars anymore, we want something real. We want gold, we want, we want mining projects in Africa and South America, we want something that's real. Is that what's happening? Yes, and, and more of that, the emerging world um, wants the power. It's not the power and control is the driving force. Um, and the West is losing it. And that process of attrition is seen in the oil price, I've certainly seen in the gold price. I don't see the gold and oil price linked. I see them uh, reflecting um, reactions to what's happening um, with the oil price now, 102, 103, and President Obama saying somebody's manipulating it. Um, there is another concept, and that is that the actual uh, amount available is in such demand from the emerging world that oil producers can now ensure that the oil price reflects the devaluation of currencies. Um, likewise, the gold price. It's been consolidating for a long while now, and, and I see it as a sort of uh, rather like rivers joining each other. We're not talking about a, a temporary consolidation. We've seen such a build-up of this consolidation over the last few months. This is a major trend consolidation about to produce a major move. Um, and I think that it will probably be triggered by some debts situation by some recognition of the, the loss of value of currencies at an accelerated rate. Um, but we're moving into a very tempestuous, volatile, and difficult to manage situation worldwide as, as monetary structures are fractured. Yeah, but it definitely, we, we're at a, at a point of a tectonic shift then, I guess you would say. 
Yes, this is this is going to be. We might have thought we've had dramatic times for the last four years or more, but we ain't seen nothing yet. Okay, uh, where then do you see an enormous transfer of wealth then from uh, people that own paper assets to people that own gold? Is that what you see coming in the future? Yes, I do very much so, and I think uh, that. Uh, um, it'll, it'll, it'll be given different um, aspects. You'll think that, for instance, the, the loss of house values was, it was awful, and if such printing of money is going on, why aren't house prices, asset prices rising in the same way? Because the system is trying to manage it so that this, these dramas don't appear. And so you're seeing an awful lot of um, monetary management, which is postponing, not... Um, resolving crises and those crises will play out and they will impact to show this loss of value at some point in time but when it happens it will be dramatic okay so that leads us to the point if you have a wealth transfer to people that own gold and, and I and I like to say it's not so much the nominal price of gold in dollars as it is so much the purchasing power of gold. So it's gold relative to everything else. There'll be a, there already has been an enormous transfer of wealth to people that own gold. If you look at the Dow Jones, for example, relative to the dollar, a huge uh, bear market in equities, much bigger in real money in gold than what you see in dollar terms. So, we're, we're, so this has started, but I gather, gather you, you believe it's going to go much, much further. So that begs the question then, I think what you're leading up to and the topic we wanted to get to with the few minutes we have left today, how uh, do you see then a confiscation of wealth? Are the governments going to need to take gold back from people in order to have it uh, put back into the monetary system? Is that what you're suggesting? Yes, I am. And if you look at China, for instance, it's illegal to export gold. It's very permissible and encouraged to import it. Um, and likewise, you're seeing emerging central banks realizing they must get gold into their reserves. The developed world, meanwhile, has the greatest um, gold, world, gold reserves of all nations. In fact, the leading nations have... Uh, phenomenal amount, really, well, uh, let's call it um, probably about 20,000 tons or so, and it's not letting go of those. I see a time when the confiscation will take place, and one of the things that does distress me when I look at this concept is people are worried about it, but they're not really doing much. I, I notice people put their gold in Switzerland thinking they're safe there, but I'm a, a, a weathered warrior in uh, the area of exchange control, and I know this, that uh, a U.S. citizen holding his gold in, uh, in Switzerland is not safe. He'll simply have somebody knock on his door from the Fed or wherever saying, bring back your gold, and if you don't, we'll take you to task here, and your assets inside the U.S. may be attacked, or you may be attacked personally. It's very dramatic, but... Um, they would never, ever go into Switzerland to try and fight it in the courts to reclaim U.S.-owned gold back to the U.S. They'd rather tackle the owners in their home uh, country. So that, I think, is, is, is the danger that lies ahead for gold owners. Um, they have to be pragmatic. They have to realize that it's not simply about owning the correct investment, but it's about being able to keep owning it. Okay, well, what do you have some ideas how people might do that? Well, I'm actually involved, and I have to declare my interest. I have been involved for some years now in preparing a, two companies, one called the Ultimate Gold Trust, the other called Stockbridge Management Alliance, that is structured to block any uh, attempted acquisition of that gold while not exposing its owners to threats at home and uh, I believe that's the only those sort of roads are the only way to go down and because I, I, I really do feel seriously about this threat I have involved myself in the structure of this and I believe it will be effective in retaining gold in Switzerland um, and uh, I'm very happy to receive any inquiries on that front about it uh, and I'm more than happy to tell you that um, you are amongst the first to hear of this 
because it's about to be launched after struggling through the various uh, laws of the states, Switzerland and the UK. Mm -hmm. It's now about to be launched in the next couple of days. All right, Julian, we are uh, unfortunately out of time. We had some technical difficulties. I, my apologies to you for that. We, uh, can you tell our listeners how they can follow up with you on that? Well, contact with me at uh, go-authenticmoney at iafrica.com or through the website um, www.goldforecaster.com. Goldforecaster.com. Okay, and, and the other one again, the other uh, contact point? My email address for those very interested in what I've just said, gold-authenticmoney at iafrica.com. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Julian, uh, for being with us today. Uh, again, my apologies for the technical difficulties. Uh, it's very, very kind of you to stay up uh, so late and talk to us. Uh, I hope we can do it again sometime in the not-too-distant future. Thanks very much. Folks, don't go away because in a few minutes you will be hearing the voice of Ron Paul, who is uh, the only advocate uh, on the scene today, at least among the mainstream people, that are suggesting we return to a gold standard. And believe it or not, uh, he's doing extremely well in the polls, much better, by the way, than what the mainstream would have you believe. In fact, it was Fox News that's suggesting that Ron Paul may actually win the Iowa caucus yet. looks like he will come up uh, with the more delegates than anyone else. So very interesting. We'll be right back with a sound, some sound bites from Ron Paul on CNBC. Don't go away. We'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliff Energy and Shell Canada. Arroway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arroway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arroway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. American Manganese Incorporated controls the largest deposit of manganese in the southwest United States, and their 43101 preliminary economic evaluation includes the potential to be the lowest cost producer of electrolytic manganese in the world. A National Instrument 43101 report of 13.8 billion pounds of indicated and 3.5 billion pounds inferred. Go to www.americanmanganeseinc.com. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to underlying problems. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to triple the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questions4taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. 
against all odds. We don't need people closing this out and say, ah, oh, well, we got our candidate. I think we should have a debate. GOP presidential candidate Ron Paul is putting it all on the line as today's guest host. Gold, the Fed, the global economy, and the race for the White House. We welcome our guest host this morning, Texas Congressman and Republican presidential candidate Ron Paul. Dr. Paul, thank you for joining us this thank morning. Thank you. Very nice to be with you. Can you give us an update on where the campaign stands right now? Yeah, we had a pretty good weekend. Uh, there were some uh, caucuses meeting and delegate selections and in uh, Minneapolis, uh, in Minnesota, we had uh, we got 20 out of 24 of the delegates, and uh, in in Missouri, uh, there were 20 out of 40 that we got. In Iowa, there was a meeting that was held to select the uh, uh, steering committee. There are 17 members of the steering committee. We got 15 out of the 17, and we have the uh, uh, chairman of the party in Iowa. And this type of activity is going on around the country, so it doesn't get the attention that we think it deserves. But uh, I, I think the campaign's going very well. A lot of people like to write us off and say, why are you there? Why are you doing these things? Well, the market tells me that we're doing pretty well because uh, the crowds get bigger. Uh, the money keeps coming in. The enthusiasm grows. Uh, we can get up to 8,000 people on college campuses. Yesterday, in very, very bad weather in Philadelphia, we had almost 4,500 people show up and stood in the rain for two, three hours. So the enthusiasm is there. The money is there. Uh, we're making inroads in the uh, structure of the Republican Party. And the one thing everybody's agreeing on is something has to be done in is, this country. They're the very unhappy with the way things are going uh, around the world in this country, monetarily, financially, debt, this whole problem. Is, is that what the campaign is about? Meaning, from a practical perspective, uh, the polls would suggest that the chances of winning are very, very low, if, if not impossible. Is this not about winning so much as about changing the debate? Why, why can't it be both? Uh, people want to say, see, people have a trouble on seeing a candidate that really believes in something, and the goal is to move that, and therefore he doesn't want to win, or he doesn't, his goal isn't to win. I mean, it's, this is what I did in the congressional races. I mean, people wrote me off, and I won 12 times. But it was always on, on the beliefs that I had, and the, winning the election was the endorsement. So, yes, you want run to win. If you win, you really get the endorsement. If you do well, you get some endorsement. But there is certainly no doubt I don't shy away from the fact that it has a lot to do with changing the nature of the debate. I mean, this, if you don't change the nature of the debate, you can't tinker with the budget. This is why nothing happening in Washington because there's no philosophic discussion. Both party leaders endorse the same foreign policy. They endorse the same monetary policy. They really don't care about spending and debt. Republicans say, well, we're going to balance the budget in 30 years. I want to cut a trillion dollars and balance it in three years. I want to change the monetary system so that politicians can't get away with spending and getting their debt taken care of by, by the Federal Reserve. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is a big difference. But this is what the young people, the young people know this. They know what's coming on and they're rallying because they're, they're inheriting this mess. Besides, they've been sucked into the system too. They ended up with tens of thousands of dollars of debt, a trillion dollars of student right. debt, so you, and, they don't get, and they can't get jobs. So they know structurally there's something wrong. So it's a philosophic argument, uh, more so than a political argument. So do you still believe you can get enough delegates to win the Republican nomination? Oh, theoretically you can. Uh, it, it's it's uh, not likely, but we, uh, it, you can't ever tell. You know, nobody knew that Santorum was going to drop out uh, last week, but only about a little over half the votes have been counted. When we come up with Texas and California, another third of the votes are yet to be counted, so you don't know. But in theory, you can, in practical counting, I think we're very realistic. But the one thing that is not practical and not realistic for the supporters who have encouraged me to do this would be to say, well, we're in the third lap of a mile race, we're behind, oh, okay, let's just walk off and off the, off the field. That's the way they would see that. You don't quit because you happen to be behind. You want to see how you do, and who knows, maybe somebody will stumble. You can't ever tell. Santorum dropped out. Because in theory, you can win likelihood, of course, it's obvious. Well, Santorum, Santorum dropped out because he, he did not think he could eventually win. Would you, are you in this to the end, or are you in this until? there's not a mathematical chance or where do, where do you see the inconclusion will you take this all the way uh, of course I decided as we go along uh, you know if 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 tomorrow he uh, Romney had the absolute number 
Uh, I would probably continue in a modified way to maximize the number of delegates to go to that convention. They have worked so hard. It's not like six months or two years. It's been for four years they have been working. I mean, there's some states we've had 10 and 20 new state representatives and state senators involved. And for us to say, well, we don't want a presence. We're going to give up. Uh, we're going to maximize the delegates. Even a lot of the delegates where the uh, delegates are, uh, are required to vote for Romney, they're our supporters, but they're going to be there, and they'll have an influence. They'll have something to do with the platform. So it's, it's a much bigger thing than anybody realizes. And uh, I, I think I go by now. Ordinarily, in an ordinary campaign, if you get in and say, well, it looks like Romney's going to win, you don't get any money. You end up with debt, and, uh, and, and you don't get any crowds out. I mean, the other candidates, I mean, they're not going to get, uh, get these thousands and thousands of people coming out on the campus. So the market is telling me that this campaign is very, very viable for two reasons. One, they want to win if we can. They want to maximize the, the delegates, and they do want to have an impact. I mean, that is, is very important to every single supporter. Is Romney a flawed candidate, in your opinion? Well, I think the system is so flawed, and I think all the other candidates and all the Democrats are, in, uh, you know, deeply flawed philosophically because they've been taught by the same economists. They've all endorsed a foreign policy, which is deeply flawed, and, and their understanding and need to follow the Constitution is quite different. So I, I think the Congress, the system is deeply flawed, and they endorse interventionism, Keynesian economics, paper money. But how about money. Mitt Romney? How about Mitt Romney? I think he's, he... part of the, he's part of that whole crowd uh, of politicians, Republicans and Democrats, that are much closer together than most people realize. Does, does that mean not that, that much difference does... when you come to policy. Rhetoric might be different, but just think, we get the Republicans in, and what do you do? You, you get double the size of the Department of Education. Uh, you get more medical government medicine. So this is why young people are so disgusted. Well, they heard this said so that he would cut often, back and they, they don't get what they're supposed to get. Pardon me? Romney had said, I think just last week, that he would cut back <clears throat> the Department of Education, not get rid of it, but to cut back on its size. Yeah, but you know, the Republicans have hinted to that for uh, 30, 40 years, and they've never done a thing. I think the difference is they know I'm serious. Why don't you run as an independent candidate if, if the system is that flawed? Well, I, I'm, I've been a Republican. You know, I, was, I won as a Republican for 12 years, and I convinced Republicans and independents. Matter of fact, when I first started running, it wasn't a Republican district, so I had to convince Democrats uh, and independents. By the way, that's, that's where our support is, and that's why we seem to come up short, you know, in a Republican primary because uh, our, our support is tremendous. You know, when you put my name up against o Obama, I can do better than, than Romney. But you don't hear that. You know, nobody talks about that. But it's been in Rasmussen this last weekend. I, have, I was one point higher, and, and Romney was essentially tied or one point behind. But you haven't won a state in three attempts in running for the presidential nomination. You haven't won a state. Why is that? When you have such a strong support base, why not well, these states? Because sometimes they're independents and sometimes they're Democrats, and they feel pretty uncomfortable going to a Republican primary. But winning a state right now is getting out of the state and dominating that, uh, that, that caucus, and that's still up for grabs. Just like I said, right. you know, uh, Minneapolis, Maine, we still have a chance, and as, as well as Nevada, uh, Alaska, we had the votes there to dominate, and they just locked the doors. They kept us out, and they're fighting that battle now. They did that four years ago in Nevada. And a year or so later, they admitted they did it, and they found the documents that showed that we had the votes to take over the convention, but they didn't want us to. So, yes, we're challenged in the status quo uh, of the entire country as well as the Republican Party, and people don't like to give up their power. But uh, the momentum is very powerful. You know, I'm part of it, but uh, I'm not it. It's much bigger than me, I'll tell you. momentum and how this whole thing is much bigger than he is, well, I think Ron Paul is the person that has started a lot of people really thinking about what's going on, uh, seriously about what's going on with both uh, the parties. Both the parties are flawed. It's not Mitt Romney, per se, that's flawed. It is the establishment that is flawed. It is the vested interest of the ruling elite. It is the uh, the Federal Reserve. It is the government itself that is really uh, at, that is really flawed. It is this notion of Keynesian economics that government can somehow 
do a better job of managing the economy than millions of people acting spontaneously in markets can uh, can run the economy. Um, so we have gotten so far off the path of what our founding fathers uh, wanted for us, what they fought for, and we are moving further and further away. Ron Paul, I believe, is doing something, uh, as he says, is much bigger than he is. Uh, and uh, this past weekend, my wife, Teresa, and I spent uh, some time in Virginia with Jeff Dice, Ron Paul's chief of staff. And while Jeff has not been very, I would say, overly optimistic about Ron's chances, he's been very realistic about it, he does think that Ron is on the verge of something historical, uh, something, uh, a movement that could go down in history as being a very, very big deal. Uh, and uh, knowing Ron Paul as I have, I can tell you there's nobody, nobody that I know in my personal life who is more of a gentleman, who is more sincere, uh, who is more, has more conviction about what he believes than Ron Paul does. Uh, and more importantly, I think, is that Ron Paul walks the walk, as they say. Um, he, he doesn't just talk the walk, he walks the walk. And everything he does in his personal life, everything he does, well, I don't know everything he does in his personal life, but I've observed him and have known him for quite a while, uh, he is very consistent with the way he lives his life, a very disciplined life, uh, and uh, at the same time uh, is always interested in, uh, in not telling you how to live your life, uh, which is what more and more we're getting, uh, getting away from, the liberty and the freedom that we, that we once had. Uh, I, I'm really hopeful. Uh, it is interesting to note that he is doing much better much, much better than the mainstream lets on. In fact, it was even Fox News acknowledging that he may very well win the Iowa caucus. Remember how it was supposed to be um, Rick Santorum that won it? And before that, Mitt Romney. Now they're saying Ron Paul. We can only hope, uh, that's what we can hope, that somehow Bob Hoy is right, that we will uh, be on to the start of a new bull market in common sense pretty soon. And that would mean, in my view, a return back to free market economics and uh, a sound monetary system once again. Well, my engineer is saying that uh, I've got to take a break, uh, so we will do that, and I'll be right back with you some final thoughts on today's show and also uh, a note or two about next week's guest. Don't go away. I'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Why invest in Clifton Star Resources? Because they begin the year with excellent drilling results and high goal recovery tests on the DuParquet project. A new experience management team with proven exploration and development achievements is in place. The properties have historically produced over 1.5 million ounces of gold. They are located along the prolific Porcupine Dester Break in mining-friendly Quebec, near Rouen, Noranda. A new resource estimation will be released in May. Clifton Star is only 35 million shares outstanding and is well-funded. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Hard times and the good times. We've got just a couple of minutes here. Uh, I think uh, today's show was really good. With uh, uh, certainly really enjoyed my discussion with Danielle Park. Uh, her uh, her views of the market and human nature, I think, is very very uh, very very good. I would uh, str- I would really encourage you to uh, look up the uh, and purchase the book Juggling Dynamite. I think it has some excellent advice, uh, both from a practical market perspective as well as. Uh, from a philosophical way uh, to live and, and optimize uh, your life. Um, I just uh, want to mention also I think we had a lot of difficulty. My apologies to you for the difficulty that we had 
uh, with uh, Julian Phillips, the technical difficulty. It was very difficult for me to understand a lot of what he had to say. Uh, certainly under better conditions, I think uh, we would, uh, would have gotten a lot more out of it. But I do hope to have uh, Julian on the show again sometime because I think he really does have a good understanding of the gold markets and what's going on, the geopolitical aspects that are going on that are definitely going to call the shots. Uh, it isn't the politicians that ultimately win. It's the markets that win. Markets, as Ron Paul knows, and anybody that really studies markets know that all of these attempts by the, by the, uh, let's say the Republicans on the right and the Democrats on the left, the Republicans to sort of put into play what I believe is fascist economics and the Democrats to put in communist economics. We want to simplify things. Uh, they won't work uh, because you're you're trying to fool Mother Nature. You're trying to fool the natural laws of economics. I looked uh, this past week at uh, some work of A. Gary Schilling, who was on this show. Very valuable insights from A. Gary Schilling, uh, and and would suggest people follow up on his work as well, uh, showing the payroll employment during past recessions. And what really struck me was the progressive pathology that is taking place in our economy. It's taking longer and longer after the bottom of recessions to pick up employment. And it's not just by a little bit. Compared to the average employment, uh, the average turnaround time during recessions, uh, the 1990-91 was much longer. Uh, the next one that occurred was much longer than that. And now this one is really taking forever. We are in, I believe, we're in a depression uh, not a uh, not a recession, and we're also seeing disposable income now, personal income, real income turning negative again. The common folks, as Ron Paul discussed, are really uh, being hurt. The middle class is being squeezed out like never before. Uh, the copper markets, I'm watching very carefully. We're seeing a breakdown in the copper markets. I still believe that Danielle Park uh, is right. I'm in agreement with her that we are still in a secular bear market and we're getting ready for the next leg down. That's why I said to my subscribers a couple of weeks back to liquidate 75% of their equity interests, build cash, and get ready for a golden buying opportunity. Gold mining profits are very strong. The real price of gold is remaining very high. The the fundamentals for gold are very, very strong. Um, and so this is the time, I think, if you have cash, if you can build cash, if you can go contrary to the trend, to what your gut would like to do, uh, you know, it's very difficult to use, to allow your brain to control your impulses. Again, some good insights on that from Danielle Park. Um, that's just really, we're just almost out of time. I would just say um, didn't have a t chance to talk to Chen Lin or Roger Wiegand this time. Uh, Chen is, again, sticking with his two favorite oil companies, Mart Resources and Pan Orient, and he's looking very uh, much at the gold market as well and gold shares to get in in a more aggressive way. Uh, next week, as I mentioned, uh, we are going to have Richard Duncan with me. Uh, he's uh, The New Depression is his newest book, The Breakdown of the Paper Money Economy. Uh, I want to thank, again, Tacey Trump, uh, my producer, uh, and Justin Jackman, my engineer, for making the show logistically possible. Thanks to each of you for listening. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.